0: Thank you. Uh, first of all, um, I'm honoured, humbled. Um, it, it just is a, a really personal moment, isn't it? You know, when you're kind of half of it, you're trying to kind of hold yourself because you know you're carrying what God wants to say. Uh, and at the same time, you want to receive the gift, so the time that it takes into you, that it means uh, so much. And so um, I don't process everything immediately, just to let you know, I, I kind of love to take things away and that there's a depth to everything that you've done, and I, I'll do that. Uh, over time, but I just want to honour and thank you for that. I was really blown away just to be stood um, um, in front of people who have, have led the way in what faithfulness is in this generation, and I just kind of that—that that is what we're honouring, um, what God does in the concept of marriage. Uh, and I really appreciate you doing that today. Um, it's an incredible thing. We're only just saying it, it feels like two minutes. It generally feels like two minutes of our life. It's—it's um, it's gone so fast. It's been a blast. It's been an adventure. Um, and it feels like i 'm just getting started. Um, I look at the, the picture of me, um, and I, I look really young and, and I feel young today, just in case you you know um, part of me hasn 't aged at all, so which is really good. I do feel i 've got a word for you um, that it 's not just about us today it 's about something far wider uh, and um, God. Uh, will often speak to me, not just in the concept of an idea, but he birthed something in me. And um, I, I suddenly find myself involved in different situations that somehow confirm what God is saying. Uh, and I'll just kind of temper this today, because on Wednesday, I, I'm a police chaplain. So I support um, the officers and the staff um, to help their resilience do the job that they do um, from a chaplaincy and bringing hope and life, and life to their, their daily lives. Uh, they invited me to be part of a training day this week called uh, uh, Raising Suicide Awareness. Uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Week, so it fits in with that. There'd, there was a recent um, death by suicide in the control room from a very well-known uh, member of staff and well-liked member of staff, and, and it had rattled, uh, essentially, the policing community. So I'm saying it's a great day in, in terms of helping me, how can I upskill myself in this area? And I'm meeting my mum for tea, and she's coming up on the train, and she texts me. She said the train stopped because someone's chosen to end their life by walking in front of the train. Same day, as in I'm aware, you know, because there's teachers... Um, in, in the congregation, that 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 person who walked in front of that train was, was a parent connected to a, a, the school of which they're at. And, and then you suddenly realize, I, and it's just by God just teaching you some things about a pebble in a pond, you know, the ripple effect of of where that is, you know. And, you know, I know from a policing perspective that there was an attempt on a last um in North Devon on the trains um, and also on the two motorways coming through our area on the same day. And it was as if there's an attention where God... I kind of realized as I was preparing this, this connects with this subject. And I think God wants to speak into it. So it's real, um, and it's all about embracing life. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, it's unpacking what that actually really means. Because um, when people attempt suicide, it's because they want the pain to stop. Because they haven't yet met somebody who can ease the pain or heal the pain Now, we believe we have met that person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Um, But we need to understand how we position ourselves at the right moment that we can share some of the hope that we have. So it talks into that on on a wider level, um, if to do. But to do that, I just kind of want to start, perhaps flipping on the other side. What is your greatest moment of life? What is the greatest moment that you've had in life. Just take a few seconds just to think that through. What was the most amazing thing? And you're going, Aaron, your greatest moment for you was when you got married to Rachel, wasn't that right? I'm not going to go with that today. Uh, as much as it would be easy to do, PJ, it might be passing your driving test. Greatest moment of life. Not for us, but for you. <laughs> no, we're joking, isn't it? What a, what a great moment, isn't it? If you've graduated might be a fantastic moment, isn't it? When you, when you were proposed to, uh, when you got married, first day of school. You know all the pictures that go around. You know, I love to see those moments in life. I don't know what's filling your mind. Um, can I just show you my greatest moment is when my three children were born. Uh, I, w- I want to talk about that because there's something incredibly beautiful about life i didn't feel i was fully prepared for it didn't fully know what to expect from that moment but the birth about anybody watch one born every minute Right, so there's, there's been this kind of effect, a, a little bit of a disturbed ripple, isn't it? You know, what, it's, it's a program you don't want to watch while eating your spaghetti bolognese, you know, because it kind of like if you're eating dinner at any point at that time, you're just like, I'm not hungry anymore, what well, isn't it? But what it has, has as much as there's an intrigue and an interest and a beauty and an attraction and amazement, it's also caused a little bit of a ripple of fear, you because know, when people get ready for a childbirth, there's quite a, a massive fear that they have to unpack because what most people focus on is the pain of that experience. You now, I haven't gone through childbirth, so I'm not going to try and attempt to describe what that pain is. You're going to have to talk to Rachel on that basis, but I can tell you about the beauty of the moment. Uh, if, I, if I can just tell you about beauty, we can look at the color changes in autumn. We can, we, can, we can see the beauty of a snowstorm that comes across and leaves our area that we live in so beautiful, but nothing as beautiful as this moment, which we shared three times As we observe, Rachel hadn't done a hair that day. She had no makeup on. She was sweaty. She was flushed, but she was beautiful. You understand something about beauty? You know, when I looked at her in that moment, the character within her to go through that pain and the courage to get through of that and to retain a dignity i just looked at it not just out of an emotional there is isn't emotions in that moment but out of an attraction to say that is what real beauty is if you've been in those rooms if you've been in those spaces you'll understand in a sense how that comes about. because i want to say there is beauty in life life is beautiful and God intended us to appreciate and to be attracted and to affirm what beauty actually is. Because, you, you know, if you take all the images of that, you think, well, that's not beautiful. But the reality of going for that journey, that I, I just kind of think, I, I came home on each one of those things. And the difference, we were married, you know, and when, when Joshua arrived, our house became a home. We became a family You know, in a heartbeat and suddenly everything changed as I understand the beauty of life coming into our lives. The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord in Psalm 127 verse 3. They're a reward from him and children are born to a young man and are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. I want to just say thank you to God for blessing me in that context with incredible children. When we see a baby, you know, and I remember as a dad holding Josh and Beth and Nathan for the first time, and there's this really strange thing, is what do I do with it? And its I love the midwives who just come up and say, yeah, the first thing you do, Aaron, is you bring it close to your body. You do not hang a baby out there, you know, you just bring it close in. And I I do that now, naturally, as a pastor, when, you know, if I have a visit and you've had a child, I just kind of bring the dad's arms in and go, that's a lovely, safe place, isn't it? You know, do not wander around. If you trip, that baby's going to hit the deck, you know, and that's not good, isn't it? That's not a good start in life if that was for you I do apologize but this um when we do dedications we did one a few weeks ago I I read the scripture because I I love the scripture and it's about um, John the Baptist in Luke 1 verse 66 I wonder what this child will turn out to be for the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in a special way we see this destiny in children right put your hand up if you were a baby at one stage of your life So a lot of you think, well, I, I'm, some of you go, I've had that moment. Some of you go, I've not had that moment. But you have had that moment because you were there when you were born into this world. And there's something incredible about that moment that actually brings hope and life. And the story I want to take from the Bible is born not in that moment. It's actually born in a dark moment of history. Because I want to talk in the darkness, hope and life arises out of the darkness. I want us to understand that God is always doing something far bigger than one initially appears. You know, and if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to um, the book of Exodus chapter 1. Anybody seen The Prince of Egypt? Right, okay, so that basically that movie has just happened before this moment. Anybody seen The Ten Commandments? Yeah, so that's just about to happen. So, okay, so we're between the Prince of Egypt and the Ten Commandments in relation to the history of the Jewish people. And this is about the birth of a baby. In the time, Joseph and all his brothers, verse 6 of Exodus 1, died. And in that entire generation, their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Eventually, a new king or pharaoh came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he'd done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now them and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down, crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Egypt as the supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them the more the people of God multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. And so the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar. They made bricks to do all the work in their fields. They were ruthless in their demands. And then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? And the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives, they are more vigorous. And they have babies so quickly, we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So Moses was a deliverer. He was an incredible hero in the Bible. He led the people out of slavery, out of a dark period. He was called from God. And right at this moment of his birth of destiny, there was an attempt on his life. Not just on his life, but on the future of the people of God. And so there was a work at play to kill the destiny, not just of Moses, but of a people group. And genocide was attempted by the Egyptians in that day. I want to point out when God is about to do something good, when God is about to break... Through a birthing moment to bring into what he's going through, and there's an attempt on its life. That's why dreams are so powerful. If God is speaking into your life, often there's a pushback at what God is doing in you. You'll find some pressure. If you are moving in faith, you will find suddenly a shrink back. I remember the day God called to come to Exeter. On a call of God, on a word of God, and I came ahead of the family, and I arrived. I called it Black Wednesday. Because two phone calls, I had two phone calls. One, a house that was going through the motion, uh, you know, thing of it. it broke down in a moment. So, and we, we, we had the households up there, we were selling that down and they said all oh, the deals off. And I was like, okay. Second phone call, Rachel said, I've just been to the doctors to talk about Nathan, there's something seriously wrong with our son. I'm sat in the room, because I was in the police at the time, um, in Middlemore, sat there going, what is this God? It's pushback about the plans of God. It's quite common to experience when God is on the move, things push against that. Who's experienced that? Just, I don't mean all troubles or pushbacks, by the way, but you need to understand there's a key moment when we're stepping out in faith, when the devil says, I want to kill that dream. And I, I, I kind of love this part. It says, as, as, as the Egyptians pushed down, what happened? God's people grew. Let me tell you, pressure grows you. There's something about pressure from the enemy that allows you to grow. There's something about the the contractions within the birthing canal that actually is beneficial for the baby. It pushes life into the baby. It's part of that process. Without the pressure, there would be no birth. Without the contractions, there would be no glory. There would be no deliverance. There would be no presentation to the world. And if you're feeling under pressure right now, let me tell you that the pressure is good. Who needs to hear that word right now? Yeah. You know you don't like pressure, is good. Do you go? oh no, make it stop, God. You go to the gym. It's all about pressure. You pushing on resistance against that weight. It is building your muscle. It is building your fitness. It's something God is doing to make you stronger. This baby is about to arrive. But I want to pick on the role of the midwives. I really, because kind I of felt God spoke to me about their role because I think without them, Moses wouldn't have been born. Destiny wouldn't have been realized by these two women who stood up in the face of Pharaoh. And I want to say this because they said no to the darkness and they said yes to life. I'm looking today for a generation of people who will say no to the darkness and yes to the life of God. How many feel under pressure of living as a Christian? It's not the easiest thing, too, in, in, in the workplace. When we look at the media feeds, when we look at the news, we feel that like, like just Christianity has gone out of fashion. You can be whoever you want to be in life, and we're going to celebrate that unless you're a Christ follower. And, and there, there is a pressure that we feel into that. And I'm just looking for people like, actually, I'm going to be part of a midwife generation that's going to say no to the darkness, but yes to life. That's going to recognize what God is birthing. And I'm going to be there to actually help these birthing moments to come in. I, I'm going to be to celebrate the life of a community. I'm going to live my life to make a difference in that way. A fearless generation. They were more afraid of God than they were of Pharaoh. They had a respect for God and they lived their lives. And as a result, God blessed them. You know, midwives, they promote normal birth, safe birth. They prevent, they detect complications, they assess medical care, they give appropriate support, they have emergency intervention measures. You know, they're incredibly skilled people in our world to help women, to deliver a healthy baby. I want us to be a church that's just a great midwife. Whatever God is doing in this city, in this area that we know and we're helping God, we're not hindering. We're not killing his dreams. We're not killing his ideas. We're not killing his purposes. We're not getting in the way of them. But we will actually say whatever you are doing, you've have, you have already planted Moses in, in, in the womb and we're going to see him into his season of life. Acts 11 verse 21 says, the God's word says, the hand of the Lord was with him and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. I think the midwives were more comfortable in the hands of God rather than pitching their safety into the hands of Pharaoh. So this passion for new life is what I want to grab you over because I'm going to move not just by looking talking about natural birth because you think I'm not not a natural midwife. I? I don't think I've ever seen much of this but I want to talk about spiritual birth. The moment, I don't know, midwives probably see babies everywhere, don't they? They're probably kind of, um, Sennel was in church last week, Sennel's was a missionary in South Africa and uh, I was praying and I just saw a slight bump. Now, who's realised, if in doubt, you say now at these moments? <laughs> Did you know that rule? The reason I know that rule because I broke that rule, and I had to learn that rule. I went on a missions team, and uh, I met this team I was going to be working with for 10 days. And I, I, <laughs> this lady comes up to me, and uh, her name's Miriam. What's won't say any more about her surname. You'll have to try and find out. We're friends, fortunately. We survived this moment. But I said, oh, hi, good to meet you. You know, you're high connect, really friendly. My name's Aaron. it? Oh, when's the baby due. Oh, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> there is no way you can get out of that. I could wish I could tell you how to get out. You can't. You're just going to have to take that on the chin, you know, and just. <laughs> That's the only way you can do that, isn't it? Just that nervous pounce. I wish I could die right now in that moment, isn't it? But here's the thing. I think if you're a midwife, you probably see babies. You probably see pregnancies. You probably see people who are kind of in that moment of life everywhere you go. Why? Because you've been trained to do that. Because you're sensitive to, because you're prepared for that. And I, I kind of look at the church. If we're ready to look and see, is, what is God doing? What is God birthing? Who is about to come into the kingdom of God? You know, the Bible says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know what? You said you were a baby. That scripture applies to you before you were born, before you were twinkling your mum's eye. God formed you. God had an idea for you. Now, if that is true for you, how true is it from the person who you're sat in a barber seat and he's cutting your hair? How true is it, the cafe that you're sat in and somebody comes and puts a coffee over you, how true is it for their life? If you're going to be a midwife, you've got to identify that actually God has got a plan and purpose for their life. Who believes that? Or do you just, you're the special ones? We are all the people of God. God's will is that none should perish. So, to be midwives, you're like going, God, who are you bringing into the kingdom of heaven today? If you're a midwife, you're you're ready. You've got your marigolds in your back pocket. They don't wear marigolds, by the way. You know whatever it is. You know you you just got your bag. You got your go bag. You know we we this week. Um, My my youngest's special needs, just in case you don't know, he's 18. Uh, His interest in one of them is trains. So we live in train stations, not by choice, but because we're great parents. (laughs) Just before, okay, and you're not a um, a train spotter anymore. You're a rail enthusiast, isn't it? I've had some great conversations with rail enthusiasts. You know, I know more about trains than I want to. I want to have a shower after I've talked and about this conversation about trains, because I don't want to have this knowledge that I have, but I've picked it up because I've hung around train stations long enough to know. So all the train staff now talk to us. They know us by name, isn't it? They know Nathan, isn't it? You know, I was gone I'm with Nathan. It's not me. Just in case you're thinking, I'm not a rail enthusiast, you know, things like that. Are. But we were in the cafe um, because we go and get a cup of tea, you know. And the lady in the cafe, as soon as so often, she knows what our order is. And we were talking to her. And she said, oh, yeah. And, and just as we were chatting away, she said, because I was at youth on uh, Friday night. I said, when you say you was at youth on Friday night, what, what, what do you mean? She said, oh, I'm part of a Christian youth club. I said, oh, that's fantastic, isn't it? We were sat there in the cafe. I said, well, we're pastors of a church. And we've we had this conversation. Her boss is just stood there in the conversation and suddenly he moves from the thing and he comes onto where we're all sat. And he suddenly enters the conversation. He starts to open his life up about his son who's on his journey of faith. He said, I'm not sure myself on my journey of faith, but I know my son is seeking. And we had this really good conversation. And I'm realizing if we're going to be midwives, we actually need to be aware that God is doing something in his people. I had my hair cut this week. It wasn't I've had my hairs lowered, just in case you're wondering. And do you like it? So I went up to Barber Alley in Exeter, which is Sidwell Street. You know, there's more barbers than any other shop on Sidwell Street. So if you one's for you just walk to the next one, things like that. I sat down there. I like getting my hair cut by a Turkish barber. Um, and the reason is because they're really fastidious about cutting your hair. But I've realized most of them aren't Turks anymore. And so they, I sat in there, and I often talk, and he's from Iraq. And his name's Hussein. So I'm chatting to Hussein, and he's broken English. and trying to get to know his life, you know, things like that. And he kind of says, oh, what do you do? So like, okay, so I'm trying to work out and I'm thinking, right here's a good opportunity to recognize before I knew you, I formed you in the womb. God's got a plan. How can I bring myself closer to realizing that plan in him? So I said, um, I'm a priest, you know, and and he's like, priest? I don't know, you know, like this. And I was like, oh, gee, Uh, Christian, Christian Iman, like this. That was the best I could do in the broken English. And he went, oh. And then his friend comes over. His friend's called Ararat, you know. (laughs) I said, oh, Ararat's in the Bible. I said, are you, are, you, uh, are you partaking in Ramadan? Yeah, I noticed his eyes instantly hit the floor. I said, what would your dad think? And he laughed and smiled. I said, and then we was chatting. I said, you're a British Muslim, aren't you? And then they just thought that was really hilarious because you know we're just trying to talk about faith. You'll find, by the way, a person of a different faith, you've got more in common than the person who has no faith at all. Just, just let you know in conversation. So be bold, be brave about speaking that you're a midwife. You're about connecting, because if they've got a destiny and a purpose, they just don't know that yet. They're just discovering that process, but you do. You have this insight. You have this vision, and so your goal is to put yourself in their life, to say, how can I connect with the person who's, in, who's, who's cutting my hair, the person who's serving me to because they have a purpose in God. It's not, you're not putting the purpose in there. It's already there. You're just finding God in someone. In the midwives, when they said no to the darkness and yes to life, I'm looking for the life in you today. I'm looking for that moment when you become, and spiritual new birth takes place. Which got me onto the question, how do I know they're about to be born into the kingdom? How do I know they're on the edge of becoming a Christian? I was like, oh, I need to study that. You know, just kind of let you know, just on the principle of what God does. Genesis 2 verse 7, God formed the man of the dust from the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Right, there's a fusion between the spirit of God and the dust of the earth. The soul of man, the personality, your will, your heart, your emotions, you, not the body bit, the you, you bit. The moment a person becomes a Christian is when the Spirit of God fuses that. It's not entirely unusual to imagine, because we were all born when my dad's sperm connected I said sperm, I know connect connected with my mum's egg. Mum's here, by the way. So just <laughs> just <laughs> two gametes fused together. Fertilization then took place. And do you know what happened in that moment? A new organism was formed. It was not my dad, it was not my mum, it was Aaron. Let me tell you what happens. You know, when there was a guy called Nicodemus who came to Jesus and said, "Um, how do I find faith? Jesus says this phrase, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Let Let me get you, if I can get you to get a grasp on what is happening. Unless the word of God... The Spirit of God enters the soul of man and fuses together. That is the moment a new organism is formed. When people say, I am born again, they said, I have a new life. I had a body before, I had a soul, but my spirit was dead because I'm estranged from my eternal Heavenly Father who created me. The soul that sins dies. It doesn't connect with God and a living Heavenly Father. It's the moment that the Word of God penetrates our heart, fuses with our soul. And if any man is in Christ, the Bible says he is what? A new creation. That is one when you say yes to Jesus, when you say that prayer and say, Heavenly Father, the Spirit of the universe who created the heavens and the earth, when you come into my life, boom, I become alive. Who knows? Who's experienced that moment of coming alive in Jesus? I'm hoping quite more than 40% of this church. (laughs) Let me read you something from the Bible, because this is key that we grasp hold of this. Romans chapter 10. And verse... Let me get it right. Verse 8. This will help you understand and if this is your first time you've read the Bible. The message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and on your heart. How do I know someone's about to become a Christian? Because they suddenly start thinking about God. They suddenly start talking about God. They maybe start praying to God. The reason I know that is because that's how I made my journey to God. How do I know someone's about to become birthed into that moment of a new creation? Because they're suddenly aware of God's presence. I want you to be able to spot that because when you're in the coffee shop, when you're in the barber's chair, wherever you are, that you understand this person is talking. About. Let me tell you, I want to introduce the moment of conception to you because God wants to bring you in as a midwife into the moment of conception to see people born again. It's found in this scripture. And the message, it is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. The moment somebody takes the word of God... And places it into their soul. When you believe in your heart, your soul. And you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is the moment you become a new believer in Christ. And if you've taken that moment, you know that moment. That happened for you. If it happens to you, it's going to happen to somebody else. And then it helps us how we become midwives. This is how to be a midwife text. Verse 14. On oh, no, the verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? How can they believe if they've never heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go without being sent? Which is why the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I don't know if you got the process, but people come to Christ when you share the word of God into their life. If you've ever had the chance of leading someone to know Jesus as their own personal saviour and seeing that moment of birth, it's because someone before you has spoke the word of life into them. What I want you to do, if you're going to be a midwife generation, I want you to understand that your words have power when you speak the word of God. Let me tell you, the word of God was there at creation. The word of God is found in the written word of God. The Bible says that the word of God, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus is the word of God. If you want to see people who are dead in their sins come to life, you have to tell them about Jesus. He is the word of God. When they understand Jesus in you, what you're becoming part of the fertilization process They won't get saved if you tell them just to come to church. It might be part of their journey by which you're bringing them to an environment by which we will talk about how Jesus can enter your life, which is dead. And you realize for his death, for his resurrection, for his life, when we fuse, we suddenly become alive in God. That's the moment it happens. It can happen in church, but it can happen in the barber's chair, it can happen in the cafe. We are born again of an incorruptible seed. I don't think we realize sometimes how powerful the name of Jesus is. We spend most of our time worrying about, I'm not very good at this, Aaron. I'm just not good with people. I just can't do this. Let me tell you, that's a faithless statement that will always cause you to do work underneath what god has called you to be and that's the devil telling you never to say the name of jesus you you may be all of those things but i know jesus enough so that he's not any of those things he's a name above every other name Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. If you are dead inside right now and you will feel numb when it comes to talking about unless you invite God into your life, you will never feel the life from which I'm talking about. Unless a man be born again, he will never enter the family of God, the kingdom of heaven. That word is Jesus. So when we say invite Jesus into your life, it's not just a prayer. It's the creator of the universe come inside and become a living being a new creation that's what I did as a teenager let me tell you what life looks like it looks like 25 years of marriage I'm not massive at big shows of emotion but I love 25 years of faithfulness not big on these big hearts, big box of chocolates, big flowers, we're not really, but we're really good in fidelity, we're really good in saying, when I stood that day and we committed our lives to each other, that's what I believe saying yes to God is. I love my kids, and I think they're incredible, but they're realizing their destiny, not because of us, but because of what Jesus is doing in our life. You know the greatness that you see in them? you actually see in Jesus. I, I love that. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved, you and your family. I believe that. My dad was a paper boy just walking up the street one day delivering papers. <laughs> and he delivered a paper to the house of an evangelist who believed in this message. Let me tell you, if he had not told my dad about the greatness of Jesus, I wouldn't be stood here today talking you about this. so why don't you look we don't have paper boys anymore do we? we can't save our paper boys do anybody have to deliver to the house? milkmen have gone too haven't they? Just got rid of everything that's good in the society <laughs> I'm going to pray just close your eyes kind of want to go straight for if you're not alive inside you don't know God here's the moment today now is the day of salvation so let's first and foremost deal with the the biggest transformation in your life when you say yes to Jesus alright everybody else might be thinking other things but you're thinking God is this for me because God by spirit and life is saying yeah it is you're working out, you're having a look at all the people around you going can this be really true you'll only know one way by just saying to God I invite Jesus into my life if that is true I invite him into my life life of the universe, son of God My soul right now that I might be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Show me what that is. And let God do His work from this moment on. You might be experiencing joy right now. might be this life, might be this life being switched on of peace. said that prayer I'm just going to ask you to do one thing and that's just confess with your mouth and confession just in this moment it's just as simple as putting your hand up and just saying I said that prayer I invite Jesus to come into my life this might be the first time this is like a birthing moment I talked about anybody who said that prayer wants to put their hand up great thank you anybody else thank you always rewards a confession with a spirit of life that comes upon you anybody else before I pray thank you the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the grave now lives in you you know the life of Jesus there is never a place on this planet where you be where you not feel or experience or connect with that life I invite if, if you feel that there's a connection as, as a second response to I want to be a midwife, I want to birth the plans and purposes of God, I want to be more confident. And the Bible says, When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be, you receive power and you'll be my witnesses. If you want to respond to that and say, All right, and I, I just want to be part of that culture that it wants to look for sharing. The gospel of the greatness of Jesus Christ. I just want you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray just as an act of commissioning. Just a new confidence that's gonna come on. It's good. Holy Spirit, right now, rest on us, your church. To be a midwife generation. We believe new people are gonna come into this church and say yes to Jesus. We believe for new life. We believe for everybody that comes across our path that we are going to see and identify that you formed them before they were born. There's a plan and purposes of the dynasty, And we're going to connect with them. And we're somehow going to share the name of Jesus over their life. We're going to speak your life over them. However challenging their life is, we're going to introduce that divine seed of the word of God into their life, knowing it will result in a harvest. I know what God's people said. Amen.